TBN Network. Browns fans talking to Browns fans. A mama cooks in Italy, a mama swims in Argentina, mama's got a chunga, yeah. My mama's watching Venezuela, mama likes Cinderella, mama. I don't know yet, but I'm excited. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Yes! 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 Okay, let's get at it. This is Easy Does It. I am Easy Weave here on the DBN Network. And pleasure to be talking to you here after a, another Browns game. A uh, One that we are used to here the, in the history of the uh, DBN Network the, that began at the beginning of the 2016 season. Uh, all but two of those of the uh, broadcast coming to you have been uh, coming after anything other than a loss, and today is not an exception, as the good guys fall to the New Orleans Saints in the Big Easy today by a final of 2018 in the Superdome. And the uh, the it, it was a um, really a it was it was a game that clearly we had a chance to win, and I, I guess the, the probably the positive place to start with it is that it's it was a lot closer and, and a lot different game than I thought we were going to see. I thought that um, the Saints were going to really kind of romp all over us, and that we were not going to be able to ke- keep up with them offensively. I think that for the most part, that second part uh, was true. There's a lot. There, I mean, there's a lot to unpack uh, with this one, and I think that. I mean, well, okay, the first place to start, obviously, is we we clearly have a kicker who's got the yips. Uh, there's just no question about that. That last kick, I mean, it was, it was conically. Uh, it, was, it was, I mean, it was, it was 10 feet uh, wide right. Uh, just, and there was, it wasn't like there was any pressure. It was perfect, you know, mechanics, snapback, pull down. There's nothing wrong with... Uh, the either one, the long snapper Charlie Hewlett, or I, I guess the holder is Colquitt. All that was fine. He just missed it terribly after missing what two extra points and another field goal. So two field goals, two extra points. You know, do the math. That's eight points. And uh, we end up losing the game by three. A game that we really, for the most part, had the New Orleans offense uh, off balance. I think that. Well, actually, I think a better way to uh, c- categorize what I what I started noticing as the game wore on is that the Saints, who didn't score their touchdowns until the fourth quarter, they really had. Um, I think their game plan was oriented around neutralizing the pass rush of Miles Garrett, and that's why you. I think there was. And I don't know. Larry Ogunjobi ended up getting credited for two sacks. I know one of them, Garrett, was getting pressure around the edge. And if, if uh, Shogun doesn't get there, then Miles is going to get him anyway. But I think that a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were so concerned about Garrett that I think that what it, what it caused to happen is they limited their offense. Uh, I think they changed the way that they because that that to me watching the Saints today they look they look kind of tentative in the way that they went about attacking us. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that they just didn't want to give. Uh, Garrett the opportunity to go after Breeze, uh, dropping back, and again Breeze really didn't hang in the pocket uh, too many times today. And when he did, we got to him. We got to him a few times today. Uh, it's like Ogan Joby got to him twice officially, and then another time where there, and there was a real, a real definitive uh, turning point in this game. I think you know we're up uh, at this point twelve to three, 
and we've got the ball at their, I think it's at like their 40 or 45 yard line, and it's third and, and manageable, third and third and six, third and seven, something like that. And uh, Taylor, Tyrod Taylor, who we're going to talk quite a bit about uh, as we go along here, he hits Rashard Higgins uh, on a on a crossing route, and you know who knows if he wouldn't have been able to run to get the first down or not, but he drops the ball, and that led to a, you know a longer field goal attempt, and we uh, we don't make the kick. And so that gives uh, Atlanta, you know, the short field, well, shorter field. And then on that possession, we stop them. We, we, we sack Breeze. I believe it even took them out of field goal range at that point. But then there's a penalty on Derek Kindred, a uh, illegal contact, which very, you know, I, I, I understand the rule is you can't touch the guy after five yards, but I've also watched a lot of NFL football. It's been that rule the entire time that I've been watching it, and it's like, okay, it's, it's kind of like holding. If you're going to follow the letter of the law all the time, then every play is going to be called holding. And by the way, uh, if you're going to follow the letter of the law, then Miles Garrett would have gotten uh, about ten holding penalties on him today. It, w- it was ridiculous what the – I mean, and I'm not going to complain about that. That's not that's not, not the point. I'm just saying at that moment, uh, that was a huge – that would have been uh, Ogan Joby's third sack, and it would have uh, really changed. Because what ended up happening is a couple of plays later, and actually a really key sequence is on that uh, – actually, I don't know if it was that one or a couple of plays later. We ended up giving up the touchdown. Uh, but then later on, they do the thing where they line up Breeze at wide receiver and the backup quarterback comes in, confuses our guys, we call timeout. Now, it didn't end up really hurting us because we still had a makeable, I mean, 52-yard field goal attempt there at the end that uh, Gonzalez just just missed. But, um, you know, it would have been nice to have that timeout because you don't know if you're going to need those timeouts, especially in the second half. That's, yeah, that's kind of a reoccurring theme with me is that I think we're just a little bit lackadaisical in the way that we handle our timeouts, particularly in the second half of games, but whatever. That's not really the – I mean, if you want to boil it down, you know, why we, we lost, you know, today's game, I generally don't like to – reduce it down to one play or like I said that sequence of events that I just mentioned where we're up we're up by two scores at that point and we could have at least made it you know 15 to 3 uh you know or worse we could have kept that drive going I believe there was like eight or nine minutes left in the game at that point and if we get a first down it's not even so much about getting points although points would have been nice but getting another first down every time in that situation, right? Late in the game, you should be looking at every series of downs as de facto two minutes plus off the clock. Because if you if you are able to either by running the ball or throwing, you know, a, a passing game that has high percentage and that you're able to keep the chains moving, you're not necessarily trying to uh, make big plays, although if they're open, then you do what you got, you know, with what's there, what the defense gives you, but you try to, you know, convert the uh, the third downs. If you do that three times, that's two minutes, 40 seconds per resetting of the play clock, plus whatever the actual time it was that the play took place. And I would say most plays are probably, I don't know, seven to ten seconds apiece. So all that to say that if you go through three plays, if you run the ball or throw short passes to convert on first down, you're, you're churning two minutes off the clock at each point. So getting a first down there in that situation would have been huge, but we didn't get it. We end up not getting the field goal. We end up... Then and giving up a, a touchdown to them, and, and it was um, and it was a big sequence. Now that wasn't the only thing, because then we we on the next possession were unable to do anything with it, and then they go down the field on us late in the game, and that was uh, you know a great effort by um, the well, OSU wide receiver Michael Thomas. It was just a you know I mean he, he's, what an incredible uh, season he's off to right now. 
And that's a, that's a veteran offense. That's a great Hall of Fame quarterback that we played today. And kind of the thing that I thought was going to happen only in more spectacular fashion than what did happen is that we were going to just be constantly giving the Saints – the offense, the ball back, and that our you know that our defense would play well enough to win, and they did. The defense definitely played well enough to win today, just like they did play. They played well enough to win last week against the Steelers, but the offense kept giving the ball back. And you give Drew Brees that many opportunities, he's going to make you pay. Particularly when you, that's what I was getting the point is that you can't put it all in one sequence or one thing. You can't. I think in this game in particular, this game today, you can't really look at it and say that it was any one thing that caused that. I'm not going to reduce it down to just Hugh Jackson is a terrible coach. Um, actually, I don't, I don't really have an a, a enormous amount of problem with, with, with Hugh Jackson's performance today. Maybe I'll, I will as the week goes on and I have more time to you know, think about it, ruminate on it, of course, watch uh, replays and so on. Although today was nice. There was no interruptions at all. I, I was able to kind of see everything uh, as it unfolded. And, but, I mean, it, 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 really, Zane Gonzalez with you – know, you, le- you left eight points out on the, on the field. But here's another thing. In two games, right, we have – as a defense, which is amazing. In two games, we have eight turnovers. That's awesome, right? We have ten points off of those eight turnovers. And six of those points was when the defense put the ball at the one-yard line. And amazingly, the other four came by virtue of the special teams. I'm serious. It may be um, we, we, it may, it may be time to just you know cut our losses and say goodbye to Zane Gonzalez. Because when you – those last couple of misses, the extra point and the field goal at the end, which you got to give – by the way – uh, before even getting to that point, I mean, incredible job. Well, no, I'm going to save that because, because this is it's important to put the things in the uh, kind of the order of priority here. And, and Gonzalez clearly, clearly, you know, you have a shot to take a um, a one point lead late in the game, and you miss an extra point. Yeah, it's an extra, it's an extra point. I realize that they moved out to the 15 yard line, but still, that's a gimme. You got to make that, and it does kind of change the. Uh, the whole mindset of how the game went down last week. You know, maybe it wasn't about the way that the the line got uh, blown up or the way that uh, they knew our snap count. Maybe it just was a low kick and a bad one, or maybe that was what caused the yips to uh, form in Gonzalez's mind. But I'm serious. They were talking about that kicker, Dan Bailey, from uh, that wants a lot of money. Whatever, go get him. Uh, because this was one where, uh, you know, I, I think that competent uh, kicking probably gets this done today. Because they hit us with, you know... Now, of course, having said that, if we get those eight points, it's not to say that New Orleans. Well, actually, there's no way they're able to uh, if we if we get all of those eight points. But I mean, it's it's difficult to say though because when if the if the score is different, then then teams do different things at the end of the game, so you can't uh, put it all on there. But at any rate, the the way that it did turn out, I'm thinking when we're down eighteen to twelve, that you know it's fourth and five, and I see Tyrod, you know, throw it deep, and I'm thinking, what is he doing? And what? And it, and by the way. Great. I know I keep digressing when I'm trying to make a point, which is just the thing that I do. Tyrod Taylor with a much, 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 much improved game from his performance last week against the Steelers. Now, we didn't score as many points, but there again, a lot of that has to do with uh, kind of the missed opportunity, the misconverting of those opportunities by the kicking game. But, uh, you know, to, to be in that situation, okay, he throws he throws a terrible interception, right? He th- it's a terrible interception um, as we are when we're down. At the, well, actually, we have the <laughs> we have the lead. We're up 13 to 12. And we're in a spot where if we, you know, we run some ball, we run some clock. He decides to try to attack the defense, makes just a terrible decision, bad throw, intercepted, gives them the short field. They then score the touchdown and the two-point conversion. So they go up 
18 to 12 at that point. And, and I'm thinking, all right, this is, and that's not what you expect, right? I mean, we've, we've, and, and look, they, they had their, while, while thyroid had a uh, better game this week, while he certainly performed better than he did last week against the Stillers, uh, that's not to say that it was an especially good performance for, you know, for the most part. I mean, like I say, we had, we had two turnovers in the first half of the game, got three points off of those. You got it. You got to cash in in a game. We end up losing by three points. Um, you, I mean, so you missed opportunities and missed opportunities in the kicking game, missed opportunities with, you know, short fields. And so even though Tyrod put up decent numbers, I mean, his completion percentage was much, much improved this week from last week. Still didn't see him really kind of attack the defense, except for when he did, well, he did twice at the end. Once was an interception and one was just a gorgeous uh, rainbow drop over the uh, defense to a streaking Antonio Callaway, which good for him. You know, making that play coming uh, off of, uh, you know, the freshly minted starting quarterback or starting wide receiver, Antonio Callaway. I know. I know. We got we, uh, I, I know. We, we got we got to talk about that, too. The uh, wide receiver position. And I don't especially think it would have made much of a difference if uh, Josh Gordon would have played in, in this game. Uh, clearly, he uh, he didn't play in this game and won't be playing in any other games for the Browns, as we'll as we'll get into later on. But uh, after giving up, you know, I should say after making that bonehead interception play by Tyrod Taylor, it, re- it really is and was encouraging to see him bounce back and make that toss to Callaway. I mean, gutsy call, fourth and five, and if you're if you're wrong there, <laughs> then you then the game's over. Uh, but they, you know, he it, it it was it was a kind of a, kind of a miracle pass. And no joke, this is what happens. This, I see that there's like a minute 16 on the clock when uh, when he catches the ball, and my immediate thought was they gave him too much. They left him too much time. And my wife is like, what, is, "Is nothing ever good enough for you?" That's literally what she said to me. And no sooner does she say that than we miss the extra point. And I'm like, "Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's, and I'm thinking at that point, I'm like, you know, this actually works out well for us because maybe if it's a tie game as opposed to them being down by one, they may be more conservative and we're able to maybe stop and go into overtime. Well, that didn't work out. You know, they get that big big wide open play in the middle of the field and suspect play calling there. Um, Cause I mean, if you're, if you're in a spot when they got the first down there and this, this is kind of what I'm talking about when it comes to clock management, I believe that the way that it worked out was we have uh, one timeout. They have the ball. Uh, was it two forty, And they're, they're in a spot where they have uh, they you could you could basically run one play run it down to the 2 minute warning which they did and then if you run two more plays you can basically kick your field goal while leaving us unless we use a timeout uh, actually, no, this is not I, I, I got to remember the exact uh, circumstance Because they were in a spot where if they just run the ball They basically could have kicked the field goal and left us like no time Or a little bit of time But no timeouts And they didn't do that, they instead tried to uh, go for the kill shot And they uh, they end up Which actually may have worked out better You realize that we probably would have uh, Giving as bad as uh, Gonzalez's head was At the end of that game That Hail Mary might have actually been a better option for us Than going for the touchdown there uh, of course, then we probably would have had to go for the two-point conversion to win the thing because we can't convert. I mean, I, I think after that extra point, we should have just realized. But you notice that Hugh, I mean, this is this is what I mean. I don't really have a big problem with the way that Hugh Jackson coached this game today. Uh, but, you know, after the kick, after he missed that extra point, you saw Hugh Jackson go over him onto the sideline and put his arm around him. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, this, this is the time to lay into him. No, because he's thinking, hey, we may get the ball back. We may get another shot here. So be ready. 
and I think that that's good. You know, I, I, I look at I've been as as uh, you know, I, I I have given Hugh the business. I have been as critical of him as it's possible to be for good reason. He's earned that criticism. But in that moment, I'm like, well, you know what? That's good management. That's good leadership. That's exactly what you need to do. We could we make we may cut him. We may uh, cut him and Gordon tomorrow, and. Uh, you know, bring in two Cowboys, bring in Dan Bailey and uh, Des Bryant. They have the same initials. Isn't that interesting? But maybe uh, maybe that's what we do and just go in a different direction. But I think in that moment, that was, that was that's what you have to do. You have to you have to let them know that, uh, you know, if the, in that moment, there's nobody else is going to come out. You're not going to have Britton Colquitt go out there and kick, try to kick a game-winning field goal. You just, you know, he's going to be your guy, at least for the balance of the game. You get another kicker, okay, maybe. Maybe that's the decision to go there, but... You know, it's just uh, it's it's a shame because this team played well enough to win this game, and it's one of the first times that I really I, there's not really a whole lot that I can look at from a coaching standpoint to say we didn't win because of this. If we would have taken this approach um, strategically, or if management would have done differently in this way, uh, I, you know, on balance, I think that the game plan that Greg Williams called against Breeze uh, and, and um, Sean Payton and the, and the uh, New Orleans offense was brilliant. I thought he did a fantastic job. You know, they had him off. And, and again, I think a lot of it has to do with Miles Garrett. So maybe it's not so much Williams' uh, game plan as it is Garrett's freakish all-world talent. But either way, you know, I mean, they, they were they – were, if, if that defensive effort that we saw for the most part last week against the Steelers and that we saw pretty much for, for this entire game against the Saints is indicative of what we're going to get this year, this is a legit defense that's ready to win right now. And yeah, okay. There's a couple of things that you can shore up, and at the, ultimately, at the end, at the very end of the day, uh, we're unable to stop them from going right down the field twice towards the end of the game. But I think again, a lot of it is you only have so many opportunities, and we had opportunities to put this game away. Um, and so, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's a it's a it's a heartbreaker. Whereas I thought it was going to be a, I, I mean, like I say, I thought they were going to line up and be able to just exploit the middle of the field all day. And they really weren't. They were they were off balance, and Breeze looked like he was he was tentative. And I think a lot of he he also missed a couple of throws. And I think a lot of that had to do with it that he was rushing it because they knew they weren't going to take a whole lot of downfield opportunities. And so when they came, I think he hurried it because he uh, he saw the tape of last week. Everybody everybody knows it's not we're not the only ones that can see you know what what a freak Miles Garrett is. And I think that before anybody looks at this, and says yeah well you know Garrett just basically invisible out there today. I I I very much beg to differ. You need to just watch the way that the Saints did not um, attack us the way that, that they that they're known for attacking other teams. This team that put up 40, uh, 40 points last week. And they just, I, I think that the reason that they weren't able to now, and I, a lot of it has to do with the fact, you realize they said at, uh, at the end of the game that we had only blitzed five times. It's a Greg Williams defense. That means that he was just kind of playing the chess game the whole time and for the most part winning it. So I got to, you know, kind of tip my hat to Greg Williams. The first two weeks of the season, his defense has performed. Uh, he's even gotten some um, uh, uh, juice out of uh, Jabril Peppers. And I got to tell you something. Jabril Peppers, after the first two games, looks like a an improved player, an improved football player. I'm not, 
you know, I'm not ready to say he's good. Made a nice tackle on that play. I mean, ultimately, we gave up the first down, but, you know, met the running back in the hole, driven back, um, nice tackle. That's, that's the type of stuff that you want to see. And the fact that he looks like he's at least capable at fair catching on these punts. I, I'm to the point now, kind of in the evolution of, uh, you know, Travis Benjamin was such a nice luxury to have. But unless you have a guy like that, and I think in two years we've seen that, that Peppers is not that guy. But I think that on punt returns, you know, that, that it's such a big deal change of possession you stop the team on uh, you know third down and you're going to get the ball back and how many times have we seen over the years something stupid happen where we end up giving them a, a stupid first a, a first down for a stupid reason like the passing or the uh, the illegal contact which was you know ticky tack uh, just unfortunate that it, that it happened but that's what I'm talking about it's like you, you you it's such a momentum swing and it's such an emotional swing when you think that you stop them and then Come to find out, uh, now they're getting they're lining up again with a fresh set of downs, and so on. A, and, and then worse than that now is when in the on the uh, the turnover on the conversion is if they punt the ball and either the punt returner muffs the ball or tries to return it ends up getting six yards, but then our guy gets a call for holding or a legal block in the back, and it happened you know five yards behind where he advanced to, and it's a spot foul, so you end up you know it ends up being a thirty yard swing, and I'm to the point now in the evolution of all of this where I'm good with just a guy like Jim Leonard did this for us in 2014 where we just have a guy that all he does is fair catch. That's it. We don't even bother trying to punt return. We just have a guy that fair catches. And then we pretty much guarantee that we maintain possession and we don't have a penalty. And if we just do that, I'm good with it. And if Peppers is going to, if that's going to be the role for him, then I'm good with that because our special teams look terrible. And maybe um, part of this Problem that uh, Gonzalez, the kicker Zane Gonzalez, is having as a direct result of the the. the I mean, who's our uh, our guy? I think is Amos Jones or Amos Smith. The guy, first guy's name is Amos. I know that we got him from the uh, Cardinals, and uh, he's our he's the guy that replaced Chris Tabor. And you know, um, Tabor was better. We we downgraded there. Maybe he wasn't good, but I think that a lot of um, the things that you know, he he he's like I said, he celebrate he over celebrated that one time we blocked a punt on in a game we were getting blown out in. Uh, so that was kind of stupid, but. You know, there's he, he's the, the, what he, his squads did a lot better than what we've seen the first two weeks of this season so far on special teams. Uh, but again, I don't know how much you can really put on the special teams unit for Gonzalez getting the yips. It's just it's just one of those things. And if you've never heard that expression before, it's just a it's just an unexplainable um, aversion for success. Once the, you know, it, it's like uh, it's it's like the it's like this. If you go into a room and the ceiling tiles are all in place, but in the corner there's one ceiling tile missing. Every ceiling tile in that room could be perfectly placed. It could be a mathematically, you know, perfect, um, you know, uh, uh, balance, you know, have it perfectly centered throughout the room. But if that one tile is missing, that's all you're going to notice. And it's kind of like, don't think about a pink elephant. The only thing you can think about is a pink elephant. You get what I'm saying. You get in your own head there, and he just is a point now where you just know that the whole time, especially on that last kick, on that last kick, he was trying as hard as he could to not miss. And not necessarily trying to drill it down. Maybe that doesn't make sense, but it's just a it's, it's a thing that happens. It's like playing not to lose or playing not to get hurt. Invariably, you're going to end up doing the things that you're trying not to happen because it's, a, it's an aggressive game and you have to go at it aggressively. So, uh, you know, it's uh, it's what it is, and I don't know if it's it's recoverable. You know, the Bucks had that guy, uh, the kicker who I, – I can't think of the guy's name, the, uh, the kicker from Florida State who um, – 
was just they got him in the second rounder, second rounder, and he ends up uh, uh, just having a terrible career. I don't even think he's in the league right now. And the guy, it's, it's going to come to me seriously when I'm thinking of something else because uh, it's driving me nuts. But he, but it was just one of those things where in college the guy was nails. You know, he was just a he was he was reliable. He'd go out there. He could you know he could uh, hit it from <clears throat> Roberto Aguayo. That's who it is. He could go out there and nail it from any distance. He was actually Jameis Winston's uh, kicker. You know, he was the quarterback of Florida State and. and, and then he just at the pro level, he's had a rough start to his career, and then just, and you know what the guy before him mentioned the Bucks, and I follow the Bucks lightly because they're the local team down here. But they had a guy Greg Brinza who was the best kicker in the draft the uh, the year before that, and he was another one that just um, it just they just got it just got in his head, and he just couldn't make a kick. And I think that's what our situation is with uh, Zane Gonzalez, unfortunately, because it looked like we had that position kind of settled. We spent a seventh round pick on the guy, and you know it's it's kind of um. You know, why are you going to spend a draft pick on a kicker? Well, I mean, if it works out, then you get a guy that's reliable. In a situation like today, then you have a guy. I mean, if our kicker makes all of our kicks, I think it's pretty safe to say we win this game today with the way our defense played. And it's not like any of the kicks other than maybe the last one. I mean, the last one was 52 yards in a dome. In today's league, that's not really uh, – I've seen lots and lots and lots of kickers make that kick easily. And yet, um, it's you know it's a problem, and it's it's honestly, uh, it's something that we haven't dealt with since uh, I think the Travis Coons era, where we, every time we lined up, the kick was getting blocked. So um, we we have a we have a kicker problem, and that's not the the single thing that causes the game today. It's definitely a a major factor, and it's something that. I, I honestly think it's something that we have to deal with in some form or fashion. We're going to have to do something about it. I don't. I. I. And I, mean, I realize it's a short week, but I just don't think that. Um, I, I don't think that you can. I don't think that you can run the kid out there again. I think that he's done. I think after a game like this, I don't think he. I don't think that you, for a kicker especially, I don't think that you recover from a game like this. I could be wrong. I've been wrong about other things before. Like I was wrong about this game. I thought we were going to. Lo- I thought we were going to lose this game like thirty to ten. You know, I thought that the the offense was going to be so anemic, and the defense was going to give up way more than it did. Uh, that that it was going to end up being that one sided. It was not that way at all. In fact, we were really controlling this game until, as I say, that Higo drop on third down was big. It led to uh, it, it led to the clock stopping there. It led to them getting the ball back, and then that you know that that uh, third down play where we get the sack and then uh, he gets the pass inter- the the uh, illegal contact that's you know that that stuff's a killer but you know i mean the, the pot and, and i'll tell you something else you know why this is it it's it's worse is that this this game right the result of this game especially since it was close and i'm sure pittsburgh feels the same way it's like although they got they got beat down harder than uh, than we did uh by my man patrick mahomey which bodes well for uh, meathead and the selection of uh, baker which here we go, y'all. I'm 25 minutes in. This is the first time I mentioned Baker. But, uh, you know, it's like you tie that first game. So if you win that second game, it's like, all right, you know, we're 1-0-1. One and, and one. We haven't lost yet. Now, it's like, all right, we're 0-1-1. One one. We haven't won anything yet. You know, it, it, it's, it's like losing this game has the force uh, doubly because of last week's kind of uh, incompleteness. 
And so, but I will say this, you know, after watching this performance, I do think that uh, the Jets are a much, uh, a very underrated team, particularly in, in uh, our neck of the woods. A lot of people kind of take that team lightly. I think Todd Bowles is a good coach, and I wasn't all that surprised by the performance on Monday night where they went in there and just, I mean, they just whipped the Detroit Lions, who look like a very, very bad team. But I maybe didn't expect it to be that much. But I but I expect that, you know them to be a good team, and I certainly don't expect it to be easy. But I think that's a game that we can win. Uh, certainly, Sam Darnold. You know, you look at the way that our defense is really so far this year looked to be a turnover. Uh, prone unit. Now there were there there and he looks like it's a, like he's a turnover prone quarterback. So you combine those things, maybe Garrett roughs him up a little bit. I like our uh, I, I like our chances a lot better on Thursday night after the performance today, because we we've lost two. I mean, okay, we tied the first game, but you know we've not won the first two games going against two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And those guys, for the most part, playing not very. I mean, Drew, Drew, Drew Brees, you know, played fine today. He, he was um, he wasn't his sharpest, and the game plan was what it was. But you know, you look at the numbers and you look. At, I mean, he he was a Hall of Fame quarterback. He did what he had to do to win today. Which, by the way, he hasn't done against us. They were saying that he had the lowest quarterback rating against us than he has against any other team that he's played against, which is weird. But hey, whatever. Uh, I'll, I'll take it. Did we play against him when he was with the Chargers? I don't remember. Uh, I don't. I just. I don't remember. I'm sure we did. It seems like we would have played the Chargers back uh, back in those days because they weren't especially good, and neither were we. But then again, you know the the, the way that the schedules were made differently. You 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 millennials may not re- remember this. There was actually a uh, before 2002. Actually, 2002 was when the uh, realignment happened because prior to that there were six. Um, conference. There were six divisions within the, the the two conferences. The AFC had the AFC East, the AFC West, and the AFC Central. And for the NFC, you had the uh, AFC East or the NFC West, the AFC uh, the NFC East, and the NFC Central. And the the way that it worked is that these teams had just kind of you know they were in oddly placed all over the place. Like I remember the NFC West at the at the end of it, the NFC West consisted of the 49ers the Rams, who were in St. Louis uh, at the end of all of this, but also had the Saints, Falcons, and Panthers. That was the NFC West. The our division, the a- the AFC Central, which was oftentimes referred to as the AFC Comedy Central back in the, the late 90s when we, there was a variety of reasons for that. But, of course, they had the same teams that were in there right now. Uh, us, uh, Baltimore, after we came back in 1999, the Steelers, the, ba- the Bengals, but we also had the Jaguars and the Titans were in our division. And over in uh, the East, so all that to say that when they, they – they then switched it up. They uh, made it eight divisions of four teams each, created the NFC South and uh, the AFC South. Those were kind of the – and then they switched the Seahawks from the uh, AFC to the NFC. That was when the Texans entered the league, and that just kind of allowed everything to – and if they would have if they would have taken one extra step, right, if they would have taken the Indianapolis Colts and the Dallas Cowboys and flipped conferences uh, with, the, with those two teams, then it would have actually been geographically correct for the entire league, but they didn't do that. Uh, they And I understand why, because the, the rivalries that Dallas has acquired with the Redskins and the Eagles and the Giants are second to none, so they didn't want to break that up, and I get it. The values were, you know, that, that meant more, and for the most part, those are the only anomalies, because the Colts being in the AFC South and the Cowboys being in the, a, in the NFC East really doesn't make a whole lot of sense at all. But all of that to say, the only reason that 
talk about going down rabbit trails. Uh, the only reason I bring that up is because in the old days, it wasn't like it is now where you necessarily had the, like the formulaic way. Like right now, you know, as soon as the season's over, you already know who the who who every team is going to play. I mean, except for the teams that are in the playoffs, but the as far as we're concerned, because we're never in playoff consideration, um, we know who we're going to play. Basically, the because you're always going to play the you're going to play an AFC division. You're either you're either going to play the East, the West, or the the South, and you're also going to play an NFC conference or an, an, an NFC division. So right there, you're talking about. Um, what's that? Eight games. But then, in addition to that, you've also got the two um, conference divisions that you don't play in a given year. You do play the team that finished at the same spot that you did in the division the year before. So, in our case, we always play the team that finished last in their d- respective division, uh, even if we don't play that division um, on a yearly basis. My, as, as long as this making sense, am I explaining this clearly? And so, you pretty much know the only variable that really is the only variable is which team in the two. Uh, divisions that you aren't playing on it because of course we play everybody in our division twice all that to say there's much less fluctuation it's like when people talk about uh playing a a last place schedule there really is no such thing there's basically there's three games a, a year that are affected by that the rest of them are pretty much already set in stone like i can tell you right now who 13 of the brown 16 opponents are going to be uh just by virtue of the fact that it's a cyclical thing but why i have no idea why i just got off on that whole thing but as far as the schedule goes this year, we started off with the Steelers, Hall of Fame quarterback and Roethlisberger starting, you know, next game, Hall of Fame quarterback Drew Brees. And both games we held up pretty well. And Tyrod Taylor, in not monsoon conditions, uh, played much better today. Uh, I do think, and, and now we are, you know, uh, over halfway into the broadcast, I, I feel confident saying at the same time that if Baker Mayfield uh, starts the game today that we win the game again, just like I felt the same way last week, because it's it, again you know eight turnovers in two games and we got ten points off of it, and a lot of it has to do with uh, I mean a lot of it has to do with the quarterback position. But that said, you know generally speaking, you know and Tyrod Taylor he's he's you know the whole time that what you what you think you're getting out of the guy is okay at least he's not going to turn the ball over, and then today he turns the ball over in the worst of situations, but then he does you know, make up for it by throwing the, the impossible touchdown pass at the end there. But that's also kind of a, you know, kind of a YOLO throw, you know, if you know what I'm talking about, you only live once. Throw. So if you, if that's, if, if it's, you know, for all intents and purposes, that's a, that's a Hail Mary at the, at the end of the game, because if the ball's incomplete, we lose. Uh, and if that's the case, then, then you look at it and you say, okay, that interception was terrible at the end. Uh, but it didn't, you know, it, it ended up being a perfect pass, you know, a dime right on the money to a Callaway. Uh, which I, I, I'll give the guy credit for making the throw. I just think it was probably more of an aberration than anything else, and it doesn't necessarily uh, change the, the the dynamic here that we would be a better team. We would be winning. We would be. I would. I believe we would be two and zero right now if Baker Mayfield were the starting quarterback. Now, this is going to be the conversation we're going to be having all year. And I realize that there's people with their eyes rolling over hearing me say this, and I understand. I I, I get it. You know, people want to um, they want to follow the plan, but I think that the plan is what is is costing us games and you know the thing about that is maybe i mean we certainly have seen in the first two years of the hugh jackson regime that uh losing games in the early part of the process is apparently acceptable right because uh we you know we've won, we've won one over the last three years now 
<clears throat> and almost exactly three. Well, I mean, you, you get more into the season as far as that goes. When, you know, 2015 was nothing to sneeze at either. We've gone now three and 13, uh, one and 15, oh, and 16, and now zero, one and one. And I think that uh, it, it may be, you know, it, it's possibly could be uh, for Hugh Jackson and coaching staff, a must win game this Thursday night against the the Jets. Because of uh, because this was a game. I mean, this really was a game that we should have won. Um, and, and again, I, I did not expect that it was even going to be close. But given how well the defense performed, that's a game you got to you got to come out of that with a win. And we and we didn't. And uh, now again, can you really blame the coach for a kicker getting the yips? Yeah, it's it's a complicated thing. It really is. Uh, I mean, and and if Mayfield if Mayfield starts, does the kicker get the yips? I think if Mayfield starts, we score more touchdowns. Uh, because I think that they were, and, and I think we have more you know longer sustained drives. The defense played well enough today for us to grind out you know an, an eighteen to three type win, where maybe we're making those field goals if we're if we're kicking them from the ten yard line. And of course, all of this is speculative. And what do I know? I could be totally wrong. Maybe if maybe when eventually Mayfield gets on the field this year, he's going to totally fall on his face. And people like me that have been, you know, uh, honking for him to be the starter all year are going to be proven to be big, fat, stupid idiots. Okay, fine. I can I can accept that if that's what ends up happening. But right now, what we're seeing out of Tyrod Taylor, minus that great touchdown pass at the very end of the game, and also look, also also I have to give it to him. I have to give it to him. Uh, at the end, right, when New Orleans left us those uh, two plays at the end when they passed instead of running the ball, at the end, we uh, two great plays to get us in a position to kick a field goal uh, at the end. He hit the ball in the middle of the field, immediately called timeout, and then we had to get a pass to the sidelines and get out of bounds, and he was able to execute that as well. So two great – you know thing that may, that may have been a better thing to do there? would have been to do a no huddle after even after he goes out of bounds do a no huddle and or you actually wouldn't have to do a no huddle just line up and spike the ball for no other reason than to get the kicking team ready for the next down because we end up kicking the field goal on first down so that and, and this is I mean because we ended up as it turns out he ended up kicking the ball with like 20 seconds on the play clock so it wasn't like we were rushing to uh, get the kick off I was noticed I was watching that that particular detail and uh so that wasn't the issue, but I still think in that moment it, it just and, and like I say, this is this is one of these things that it's uh, it's easy to say because I mean I'm watching Hugh, and again I will say this again, two games into this, Hugh Jackson is working harder than I've seen him work in the first. If you notice, I'm kind of softening a little bit on Hugh, uh, which I did not expect to happen, but I, I think that he may actually I, I can almost sign a kind of sort of quasi if I squint hard enough. I can look into the abyss and maybe I can almost clutch a, a, a whisper of a dream of a glint of a seam of sunlight that that illuminates an area where Hugh might actually be getting a little bit better. Do you like that? Was I able to? Was it? Was it? Was there? Were there more? Were there enough metaphors in there for you on that one? I, I, I just, I could, I could. There's that that whole thing at the end. Like I say, the only thing I would have done differently is you line everybody up just to spike the ball for no other reason. And maybe in the process, you do a hard count and see if you can draw the guy offside. Of course, in our case, probably get a false start. So yeah, maybe it's not the right way to do this. But I think in that circumstance, 
That may be something to uh, work on. And hey, look, there's like we talked about last week, a whole bunch of new guys on the team. Ultimately, the offense looked, you know, more um, organized than they did. You know, certainly the the um, from the standpoint of the weather had a lot more to do with the offense looking as putrid than it did in many points last week against the Steelers. Uh, there's a lot of credence to that after watching what happened today. Uh, there was some drops mentioned, the one by Higgins. There was also at least one by Injoku, uh, which is not good. Uh, drop passes. Some missed tackles not a lot I mean not not as not as many as we've seen in previous years uh Denzel Ward I think had had a much more um human game than he did last week I don't like I say he had a bad game for from my kind of um you know amateur eye watching him and also trying to watch the flow of the ball throughout the, that's that's the thing right when you want to watch certain players but you also want to see the the progress of the play that's happening live is uh you know I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm uh, seeing him in the first half missing a t- missing a tackle and then not really giving great effort on another tackle attempt where the, you know Kamara ends up picking up a couple of extra yards uh, after contact. And, but then later on, I don't remember if it was Kamara, if it was uh, one of the other backs or tight ends, but he, may, he came up, made a great tackle right before. I think it was right before the big long play down the middle of the field that before the Saints scored their their what turned out to be the tying touchdown or the go ahead touchdown before the the, the wacko. Oh no no. no I'm talking about the field goal at the end. I'm, I'm getting all this confused because there was a, there was a lot of activity there at the end of the game, and uh, you know the Saints needed to pull out a last second one to beat us, and so you know it wasn't. It, it, maybe you can take some solace in the fact that we didn't get beat up today, uh, but I but to me it just feels like more of the same. It's a loss. It's a loss that I feel like we wouldn't have had if Baker Mayfield were the starter. But you know again, as we've talked about you know in previous iterations of this. The, the 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 mindset is the long-term strategy that has been agreed upon apparently by everybody is that Baker Mayfield sitting and learning is the optimal choice that whatever benefit we would have either as an improved offensive unit or in him gaining more experience earlier in his career going up against NFL speed that none of that is going to be worth um, the detriment that could befall him for going into the game too early. Now, I have, a, I, you know, I got, a, I got a lot of problems with that because I think that that it's it's difficult. I think that that's people thinking that Sean Kaiser got um got gun shy because of his experiences last year, which I think is wrong. At the same time, you know, there is though something to say about about this approach because you know Patrick Mahomes, he's <laughs> which by the way, I can't believe I can't believe I'm 40 minutes in before I mention this. Did you guys hear? Did you hear Michael Strahan during the uh, halftime show say Mahomey? I'm take I I am I am spiking the ball on that one, folks. I am I am totally I am I am over the moon excited about. That, that was the biggest win of the day for me. Cuz that was that's straight up that's a DBN uh uh victory story right there. Is is that nickname cuz that's totally 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 us. That, that 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 I've never heard that anywhere else in the public lexicon uh, prior to today, and that we've been and we have been calling him that for you know for like two years now. But that dude looks amazing. He went in there and just just tore up. I saw the stat line. It was like, and I don't know what the game ended up being because I immediately got into uh, doing the broadcast here right after the game ended. But from what I saw, it was what seventeen for twenty for two fifty three and five touchdowns. And you saw the highlights, and he's just. Do, 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 do. Just, 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 man, I would have been thrilled had we drafted him. He's the only guy, Patrick Mahomes is the only one that if we didn't have Baker Mayfield, I'd be like, okay, but we got Mahomey. 
He'd be, he's the only one. Uh, Mayfield is obviously the one that I prefer, uh, and I think that he's going to be better than all of them. But, uh, man, Mahomes looks good. And it does, you know, uh, it, it does lend to – it lends credence to the notion that, you know, he benefited from not being thrown into the fold last year by sitting all year. And now he comes out and he looks like an absolute superstar. For, you know, nine touchdowns in the first two games. Yeah, dude looks ready to go. Uh, it's And it, it looks a lot like – um. Carson Palmer did when he hit same thing. He he sat his whole rookie year, came out his second year was gangbusters uh, right away. That's what. So you know that's obviously what the the prescription is for this year. I, I will say that that's a lot more palatable. You know that final you know couple of minutes was very telling. I think for the season for the Cleveland Browns because Tyrod Taylor throws an interception and at that moment you're thinking, okay, um, you know this is a game that we're going to end up losing now because you know of a of an at that moment right it's because of, of a terrible anemic offense performance two weeks in a row where if we have if it's all about winning right now right we've got a number one pick in the draft sitting there on the bench that he can't do worse than this can he well and i know that's it's always uh, perilous to ask that question as far as we're concerned but you know what what ends up happening though is he comes back out and he does two things first he has the as i say the yellow pass but well, look what what whether it was a yellow pass or not he still you know, he, he still put it right on the money. He still hit the guy right in stride. He still made the right read, made a, a gutsy pass, and you got you got to hand it to him. I mean, it was a it was a fantastic throw and catch uh, in a crucial moment by Tyrod Taylor. I'm not going to take that away from him. I'm not going to be the guy that says, yeah, you know, he made, that was a nice play, but, you know, the rest of it, it's kind of like people say about Saquon Barkley. Well, you had that 68-yard touchdown run, but he was only like, you know, 17 for 45 for the – who cares? You know, he had the big, long touchdown runs. And you can't take away – people used to say that about about Isaiah Crowell. Uh, you can't do that. And I think that it would be wrong to take that away from Taylor because that was a good read, good throw, good good pass. And in a critical moment, that was a clutch move. And, and I got and, and look, two weeks in a row, Thyroid hasn't been able to win it, but he's been able to get down there. In both weeks, he's been able to get down there and at least give us a chance to win late in the game. In fact, with a quality kicking team, you know, Taylor might be 2-0 right now. There's something to that. Uh, so with that in mind, you know, as 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 much as it is that it's kind of difficult to watch a lot of what Tyrod Taylor does, uh, and while I think we would have won if Baker were started the first two games, that doesn't mean that we really couldn't or shouldn't have won these first two weeks with Tyrod Taylor. Does that make sense? It's kind of like... Uh, you know, but again, it doesn't necessarily matter winning these games if the if we're all look at if everybody's on the same page with this. Particularly since what I'm seeing out of the Greg Williams defense, I kind of really like it. I mean, do you do you come away from from this game unhappy with uh, with Greg Williams and the defensive performance and the effort? Two two day two weeks into this season, I'm really liking what I'm seeing, and I kind of want to keep that together. And while I'm not happy in many ways with, I, I gotta say today t- today's game really uh, may be the most powerful uh, impact Hugh Jackson has had on me personally in the tenure of his uh, his his, well, his his head coaching tenure here in Cleveland because I saw an improved coach today I saw an improved performance by the coach today I saw an improved by by virtue you know this is a team that was was not even 24 hours removed from truly culture shocking news and it's probably appropriate to segue into that here um and that team came out there today and played hard and once again as is always the case they played hard 
all the way to the final whistle. Now they weren't good enough today to win the game, but 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 that was a that was a much better coach team today than we saw last week. The, the offensive line played better. The uh, the uh, penalties were better. Uh, Tyrod Taylor played better. The defense played way better. And I'm starting to get to a point where maybe, just maybe, just maybe, uh, Hugh Jackson is not eminently uh, needing to be fired. Maybe we're at that point where, which is, I, I would look at, I would like to get excited about that. Because if we could look at this from the standpoint of, all right, guys, we are actually serious about this commitment long term. And I know we all want to start winning games. We have all sick and tired and tired and sick of going through the last two and longer than that many years of, of just absolute utter futility. But if the plan really is, guys, we are willing to accept whatever happens so long as the long-term result is we put Baker Mayfield in the best position to win. And what I mean by that is we're not going to blow everything up. You know, they've had that conversation. We're not going to do this all over again. You know, Meathead is going to be our guy. And he's, by the way, if you don't know, Meathead is the affectionate moniker I have for John Dorsey. He was the, that was when, when we first got him and he comes in with a football comment and a lot of things and the way that he talked and just that, I, that was, it was, uh, it was met as a, uh, a pejorative. But then, you know, the man, he earned my ultimate trust in drafting Baker Mayfield. And so the, it, it then became a, uh, as I say, a moniker of affection. And, and he, um, look, he made a, uh, he made a pretty massive move, and this kind of dovetails in, in, with what we're talking about. You know, the release of Josh Gordon. You know, if you look at the way this game is today, maybe you say, "Look, maybe having Gordo in that lineup would have uh, would have helped us." You know, have just enough of an offense. You know, maybe while we while we are, and this is, I think this is a a, a and I'm hey, I, I don't, I think that to this point, the uh, the way that I've kind of, a, of approached this whole subject matter. For, I mean, going all the way back to the draft into the preseason training camp. I've, I think I've been candid about what I think about Tyrod Taylor, Hugh Jackson, all of these characters, and, and where the, the challenges are that I think that we're going to have. In other words, in the, in the past, I have been accused of rightfully uh, being kind of Pollyanna, orange colored glasses, all of this, and trying to find positives where they aren't. This, I, I think that I've been pretty uh, consistently on the side of I think Tyrod Taylor's a jag. I think Hugh Jackson is a terrible coach. So when I start talking positively about these guys here, um, I, it's not done just so that way I can find excuses why things aren't as bad as you know they may otherwise appear to be because look this is a, this is a different looking team than it was last year straight I mean yeah we found a way to lose again today but it's a different looking team and if Hugh Jackson is starting to come around as a decent head coach well look I like what what John Dorsey's done here and Maybe it's a valid point that we had a great offensive game plan for this week, but it all got screwed up when our starting uh, number one wide receiver ends up getting injured in a photo shoot. Now, I'm going to, as I say, segue into this, and forgive me if I don't have all of the details. I have tried. Since the news broke about, you know, uh, about, I guess about this time yesterday, maybe, I've been doing the best I can while also doing other things. I have other things to do, people. But I'm doing the best I can to try to keep up and get as many details as I can about what happened, when, how, and why all of this came to be. And from what is to be understood, as far as I know about it anyway, he was fine in practice on Friday. He went through the entire workout. Everything was cool. Injury report comes out. He's not on there. Then, 
something happens after practice, and he tweaks a hammy, and we're told that he's going to be out for the game on Sunday. And we're like, what What the hell? I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, I was actually seriously wondering if Hugh was so mad at Haley over the whole starting thing last week that this was, it didn't turn out to be that. Then the next day, in an odd, and look, by the time this comes out, maybe a move has already been made uh, to trade him because then they announced they're going to release him on Monday. They said that they, they told his people that they were going to release him on Monday, at which point it became reported that a lot of people started calling to inquire of his services and maybe um, maybe give us something in, in terms of a trade. But apparently, without jumping far too ahead of this, uh, this whole thing, this, uh, as, as far as I understand the way it went down, was that he had some sort of a promotional shoot where it involved, you know, camera people doing something for something. I have no idea, and I am very curious. And, and again, uh, maybe by the time you are hearing this, this information is widely known and has been disseminated, or you just know it, you know, because you've heard it a long time ago, and I'm just a big dunderhead for not knowing it. Whatever. I, I can accept that. I'm just saying I don't know at this point whether or not the crew that was in there that was filming him that was you know was doing all of this was a i don't know who they are like was it was it the nfl network was it like just some friends of his and did they have apparently they did not have the endorsement or the sanction of the team to do this yet it happened on team facilities so if it happened on team facilities and they didn't have the team's endorsement to do this then how did they get in there is it that Gordon let them in, used his team credentials to let them in the building, and then in the process of I, – and I, I don't know any of this, and if, if these are questions that you know the answer to and I'm just a big idiot, then tell me that in the comment section or shoot me an email or whatever, or I, maybe I'll just find it out and I'll just know all of this as time goes on. Uh, because if certainly you're not going to hear all the details um, right away, and it may be that you never hear all the details ever. But in this case – the details that we do know is that something happened, he tweaked the hammy, came back, and, and that made everybody and the coaching staff furious, as it would, because they've been you know game planning with him in the, in the, to be in the lineup all week. This is Friday night that this happens. And then apparently, it is then reported, he comes to, to, uh, to practice late the next day, and he, quote-unquote, was not himself. Well, what do you suppose that means for a guy like Josh Gordon, who has a history of suspensions and missing time due to very specifically, um, you know, NFL substance abuse infractions, substances. I mean, there's been there's been several of them. And if you know the guy's history, it's it's a struggle that he's had. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about that aspect of the man um, because I'm not going to cast judgment. I kind of come down on the, you know, if I, if I were to talk about that in a uh, if I really wanted to get into, you know, that whole thing, you know, I mean, every saint has a past, every center has a future. <clears throat> so I, and I have no personal judgment or animus towards Josh Gordon as far as that goes. Everything that I talk about comes strictly and solely from the standpoint of the way that it benefits the Cleveland Browns. I was a, I, you know, I, the Cleveland Browns are my team, right? You know, there's there's two sides of the field. There's the, the side that the Browns are on, and then there's the side where the other team is on, and the other team might as well be everybody else in the universe. The Browns are my team. I'm on that side of the field. And I was on that side of the field before I ever heard of Josh Gordon. And I will be on the side of that field, uh, you know, for as long as there is air pumping through, you know, oxygen pumping through my, my uh, chest and blood pumping through my veins, I will be, you know, a, a devoted a devotee of the Cleveland Browns, and it doesn't matter who is playing or coaching for the team, they're going to always be my team. And so um, I, I, I come at all of this through, through, that, through, through that lens 
And none of this is meant to be. Uh, I'm not going to. This is what you're not going to. If, if you're looking for this, you're not going to get it. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time running Josh Gordon into the ground. Um, I, I'm just going to kind of speak bluntly about what what this you know means for the team. You know, in a, in a macro and micro sense. Uh, and, and in this in this sense, it looks to me like he, from everything that is known that can be you know gleaned from it, is that the guy probably relapsed. He, at very least, he was irresponsible. And it caused him to get hurt on the eve of a game, doing stuff he wasn't supposed to be doing that the team obviously was not cool with him doing. And then he shows up, isn't himself, quote unquote. And and look, maybe that means that he's all, you know, he just <clears throat> came in in a bad mood and, you know, got in a fight with his old lady. So they're, you know, he just came in scrapping with everybody and that's what they meant. Or maybe he comes in pie-eyed and they throw a cup at him. You know what I'm saying? And if that's the case, well, then I'm not really sure what sort of trade compensation we're going to get from him. As far as it goes, there's nothing right now from the league. There, he doesn't have any pending suspensions. So you would think that somebody is at least going to throw something at us, whether it's a conditional seventh, okay, whatever. And and this isn't Navi. This isn't any kind of a shot at Dorsey. I'm just saying he's not necessarily the greatest guy at getting value for trades. Although, to your point, Navi, he certainly did get us uh, a value out of Corey Coleman when the guy uh, you know, didn't even make it on the Bills practice squad. So you win that point, Novs. I'm, 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 you know, I'll, I'll give credit where it's due. But as far as this goes, if we get anything for Gordo, I, I think we probably get a fifth. I think we might be able to, I think we probably get a fifth for him. Um, I, I'm, I'm, look, I, I, I'm just looking at it from the nuts and bolts, um, kind of the, and it's difficult to do this, you know, after the, the emotion of two things, the emotion of this game today, where maybe if we did have him, maybe that would have been just enough to give us what we needed in order to overcome uh, the offensive woes. Um, because you notice I'm not coming in here and just, just just destroying Tyrod Taylor either. I think he could have played better. Again, I think that if Baker starts, we do win the game. But I don't think that Tyrod Taylor is the reason that we lost the game. If there's one person that is the reason, it's Zane Gonzalez, even though, as I say, there was you know a sequence of events that, that also contributed to it. I'm, and it's, it's emotional. The, the, at the end of it, it's just emotional because we lost that game. But then there's also the emotion of, uh, you know, six years we have invested. We, as in you and I, the fans. Uh, none of the coaches, none of the front office people, nobody that is on this team right now has been uh, invested in Josh Gordon as long as we have. He gave us that incredible 2013 season. That one that he just displayed a, a, an ability that that gave us uh, reason to expect a huge future. And every year, we kept seeing that get delayed, and we kept holding out hope that, you know, next time, next year, maybe we can find them last year he gets on the field, and then this year, okay, he's ready, and, you know, and now we have this happens, and after all of that time, after that long, long road of waiting to see if he could finally get on the field and maybe, possibly, uh, start replicating that incredible year that he put together four years ago, five years ago now, actually. Uh, you know, we, we it, it ends up fizzling to the point where we're just going to let him go for what are essentially going to be peanuts, going to be nothing on the dollar. But thinks that it's going to be a much uh, shockingly larger deal than anybody is expecting, and that would be great if it happens that way. But I, I'm I'm inclined to think that no, it's just kind of just going to kind of be over because teams are going to call up and say, hey, what's the deal? Well, the deal is is that we, um, you know, he 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 passed a drug test that we gave him. 
Uh, I don't want to cast aspersions. I'm not telling you that I know that that's what happened, right? I'm just a guy speculating, and I think I've made, I've tried to make that clear throughout here, that I'm just telling you what I know based on things that I have heard people say through the Twitterverse and through just, just you know, the, the, the regular channels that we all go through. And so I can't say that I know for sure. I'm just reading the tea leaves here. I'm just trying to get, excuse me, trying to get a sense of what happened based on the clues that are available to us. And so it looks like, especially when you, you know, balance that against the statement that John Dorsey uh, gave, which was basically, we've spent six years trying to rehab this guy. We wish him the best, but it's time for us to move on. Uh, that something happened. There's just no other explanation. Something happened. And obviously, the hamstring injury happened. The photo shoot against the team's wishes happened. Again, I, I'm really curious to find out what the details are as to who it was that was doing this, this promotional thing with him, and whether or not not they were allowed into the facilities by the team or whether it was something that Gordon took it upon himself to do. And I haven't seen anybody reporting that that is what happened. This is just me bloviating and thinking about it out loud. Like if, Because if that is what happened, you realize if Gordon uh, – if, I don't know that this happened. This is tor- – Purely speculation, Gordo. If you're listening, I, I'm not. I, I love you, actually. I, I really, I, 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 you know, you've been, you've actually been kind of a part of of the the the, fa- you know, my adopted Browns family that um that I've chosen to uh, have in my life for the last six years. That that's not nothing, you know, guys. That you know, I, I, when you're with the team for a long enough time, it matters to me that you know, it's it's not it's not totally like Joe Hayden going to the Steelers kind of cancels it out. But otherwise, I would have been happy to see him have success later on. You know, you get attached to guys that are on after a while. I still love Josh. Joshua Cribs, um, for example, and, and there are other guys. So it's and, and particularly with the plays that you did give us and all that ability, and you know, I care about you, Josh. That's that's that that doesn't you know enter enter into any of this at all. But if 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 if, if and we don't know at least I don't know this, and if you know this, then you can you know give me the business and tell me that I'm wrong and so on and so forth. But if what happened was that he used his. Um, credentials, being in the team facility, to let people in there that was against the team's wishes to do a photo shoot or a promotional event during which he injures himself and takes himself out of the lineup for Sunday's game. And then, whatever, I I still don't understand even if that all happened, what impact or what connection that has to showing up the next day late for team practices... You know, not himself. Which, if you again, you want to read the the code language there. There's no other way. There's no other way to read that than he showed up high, or he showed up drunk, or he showed up impaired in some way, uh, or at least he did something to the effect that caused the team to think that he was going down that trail. It has to be that, right? It has to be given what he has himself admitted uh, has been his struggles up to this point in his professional career. So if that happened. If and again, I'm not saying it happened. I'm not trying. To, I I am not trying to uh, wreck anybody's credibility by being you know irresponsible and and so, you know. Well, some people are saying. I'm, I know. I there are some people that are speculating. I am one of them. I am speculating, trying to come to the truth, and I don't know the answer to it. But I'm just saying, based on what is known, what has been reported, and what is pretty much okay. You can you know that this is true. This is these are the questions that are asked, particularly when you're trying to figure out why would we do this? Why would we just after all of this time and all of this investment? And the answer is there has to be an answer. There has to be a reason why this happened. And again, it it would make sense that if he shows up and he's quote unquote not himself, what that probably means. And then you throw the weirdness of the whole Friday night thing into it. uh, It was clear that that John Dorsey has decided this is you know, this is it. This is enough. 
And again, maybe that means in the short term that uh, you know that we are a, a, are not as good of a football team. That we're a that we are a worse off football team without Josh Gordon. I don't think there's probably too many people that would argue with that. Is there? Are there? Uh, particularly when you look at the talent level, although it's the guys never on the field. You know, they say that one of the most important abilities is availability, and the guy is perpetually never on the field. He's he's habitually not on the field for us. So that that's that's not for nothing. That's an important consideration in all of this. And so, with that being an important consideration in all of this, um, you know, again, maybe it was about you know we we care about winning games right now, but you know what we care more about right now is we're not going to allow a personality um, so distract us and so you know again Bup Bupalis Bupalis one of my absolute favorite all time characters on on uh, Dogs by Nature the website which is not by the way directly affiliated with the DBN network uh, the DBN in the DBN network isn't actually Dogs by Nature it's it's actually a variety of things I've always called it the, the, the Dogs by Network network uh, Corey calls it something else Knob calls it something else Mantle calls it something else we all have a different one for it that's just how the way we roll but at any rate didn't mean to uh divert too much there and i actually kind of um lost my train of thought talking about um gordon and the the culture uh thing is that if we've made the determination that uh in the short term it's not worth we we have a um i I, I was uh parroting what bup was saying that's what that's right i was saying that bup was making the point that you when you are Defenses have to plan for this guy. Offenses then can tailor their offense around what this guy can do. And what he can do then opens up opportunities for the other players like Landry, like uh, Callaway. And then when he's out of the lineup because of something like this, and the thing is, is whatever this is, whatever the totality of this thing was that happened, it's not this. It's just like, unfortunately, it's just like Johnny Manziel. It wasn't the the well okay the, the the wig and the Vegas thing and the 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 missing the team plane and all I mean that yeah that that that's fairly egregious <clears throat> not gonna lie but the the uh, but, but it was just more it was a culmination of things and with Gordon it's a culmination of things I mean the one thing and again I'm not I'm not trying to run the guy down but you know let, let's rem- remember that this guy basically skated completely on a DUI. Remember, he didn't get in trouble with the law, and he didn't get in trouble with the league right after, right after the whole, what, was it 13 uh, or 15 uh, nanograms over a milliliter or something like that? And uh, and and that was his, you know, the, the test that, which, by the way, okay, that was the failed drug test. If you remember, people, you know. Going back in the the history of of Josh Gordon, you remember that we we drafted uh, Justin Gilbert and Johnny Manziel on night one of the draft in 2014. Talk about bad memories. But then that was, but everybody at the time, you know, on on draft night, everybody was all well, not everybody, but a lot of people were very excited that hey, we got our quarterback and we got a shutdown corner. <laughs> okay, but we got these guys and we're all excited about it. If you remember, the next day is when news came out that Gordo was in trouble again because of a failed test. All right, well, that's unfortunate. Well, it, it was unfortunate, and what ended up happening was in between that story happening and 
the start of the regular season is when Gordon got the DUI. And he basically got nothing from the DUI, and that was the 2014 season. If you remember, that was supposed to be a year-long suspension, and he ended up only serving half of it. So he ended up getting two breaks at really what was the most egregious, and if you want to look at the league being um, unfair with him, then that was really the worst example of it because at the end of the year was when he got popped on the plane uh, drinking the, the beer or whatever after we had lost the final game of the season, and he thought that he could drink because the NFL, that his season was over, not the NFL season, but no, he should have known better. So he ends up missing the entire 2015 season as a result of it. And so when all of that, you know, it's, we, we know all of this, right? We, we've We've all lived through all of this. Uh, And so when you look at all of those things that have happened over the years, uh, at some point, and and this was it, this was the point where the team said it's just as much talent as the guy has, it's just not worth it. We are no longer going to continue putting any emphasis of our game plan around this unreliable player. And I can't really say – I mean, look, on one hand, I already said that if if, uh, if Meathead were to draft Mayfield, then I've got then, – then I'm good with everything else that he ever does because that was the most important thing that he needed to do. He did it, and so I'm, I already kind of give him carte blanche on everything, including turning 63% of the roster over in one uh, offseason. Um, I'm, I'm good. And in this case, as much as I would have loved to have seen Flash eventually get on the field, uh, you know – I time to move on. And you know, the other thing about it is too, is I think that a lot of people are really kind of, of looking at that 2013 season as the barometer of what he is. And that's probably not the right way to look at it. I mean, the guy is, he's four years older now, you know, and I realize that's not a a giant amount of time, but in the NFL, I mean, look, uh, we've already lost the best years of his career. We already are not going to get those. Does it now? He, what he has left is still formidable, no doubt about it. And there's lots of tread on the tires because he hasn't been playing. You know, it, it, one of the reasons why players, you know, have longevity issues because they get beat down, and you know that happens, and so they can only play for as long as they can. It's particularly with uh, with running backs. Wide receivers actually do have uh, better longevity, but is this guy going to play for another ten years? You know, the way that it's been going, you know, <laughs> if. It goes back to the point. If he if he failed an internal drug test when he showed up, quote unquote, not himself. If that's how it all went down, then if another team calls up wanting to offer something, we got to tell them that. We've got to tell them that, unless it's a team within the division. You know, like the, if the Ravens call up, and I would be good with this. If the Ravens call up and they're willing to, although that's that whole pending a physical, and a physical would probably mean a drug test. Wouldn't that be something though if we were to trade him to the Ravens and then he fails a drug test and never plays for him? I would love that. But yeah, but that's not realistic. And so any other team that you would be dealing with, you're not going to – you can't, you cannot um, do something underhanded like that because you're never going to have a trade in good faith ever again. You know, teams are going to know that's a shady, shady move and they already were not happy with the sashy thing. Which, whatever. I'm not. I'm so not in the mood of talking about Sashi Brown after everything that we have had going on here. Um, so, I mean, I, I, on on one hand, I'm very um, sad because I was really hoping that, if nothing else, he was going to be a stabilizing a stabilizing force for that position group. But you know, the thing about that is, is that even without him, 
the wide receiver position group is much better than it was last year. Incredibly low bar. Uh, and the fact that Ricardo Lewis is on injured reserve the entire season actually bodes well for us because he was so bad last year. So many drops. You know, he's somebody that if he comes off IR and, and, and has, gets the drops problem under control next year, could be a, you know, it could be a great weapon for us. But I, I, have, I am certainly not counting on it. But uh, with uh, without Gordon now, we we were, but again, you know, the wide receiver position is so much more dependent on the quarterback than the other way around. And Jarvis Landry, you're talking, you know, talking about a guy that has had you know prolific seasons coming into this year. So far, the first two games hasn't been you know on the same pace. Although I don't know what his numbers were today. I know he caught some balls, um, but, but the reason for that is because of the quarterback that's thrown to him. And that's just how it is. The the quarterback wide receiver dynamic is much, much, much more predicated on what the quarterback can do than what the wide receiver can do. But I mean, when you have a special talent like Gordon, certainly it opens up the playbook and allows you to do more things. But uh, but you know what? <clears throat> Antonio Callaway made a great wide receiver play today on that long touchdown. So we got players at the position. We've got guys that can catch the ball. We've got guys that can make plays. And if we get better quarterback play, then we're going to have a better passing game, and it doesn't matter who Josh Gordon is playing for because it isn't going to be us. And if it was a failed drug test, it can be anybody else either. Because if you remember, he, he wasn't suspended the last time. He was banned the last time. And he had to apply to be reinstated. Now, it may be that he gets banned again and he can apply for reinstatement again, and that may actually happen, but now we're talking about another cycle, which means he probably isn't going to play this year. So it very well may, very well may be that we don't get anything for him, we don't get anything out of him, uh, as it were, uh, in terms of compensation, but at the same time, it's if, if the decision is right that that the long-term health and well-being of the team is such that we are willing to forego immediate success that we would have potentially with Gordo in the lineup, just like we are willing to forego whatever immediate success we may have with Mayfield in the lineup. All right, well, I can I can live with that if the commitment is also that we are going to keep this group together. And this is a a fairly significant turn for me because I've been basically of the Hugh Jackson is, you know, is ridiculous and needs to be fired. But look, Hugh Jackson's team, the last two, the first two weeks of this season, were in a position where, it, it, well, they kick a field goal. If, if the field goals are executed, he wins those games. I, I, I could be wrong, and certainly there's a lot more season left to go. And yeah, the starting point was pretty bleak, but I think that we're seeing an improved coaching staff. I, certainly, it looked like it was an improved team from last week to this week. But only, I mean, well, look, we're, we're, guess what? We are an eighth of the way into the year now, and with two games in, I'm seeing a difference in the coaching staff from what I saw last year, and I'm seeing a difference in the team from what I saw last year. I actually thought we were going to win this game in the fourth quarter. Uh, after thinking the entire week that we were going to just get mollywopped, that we were just going to get boat raced, I thought that they were just going to, you know, knock us all over, and it ended up not being that way. We knocked them all over for the first three and a half quarters of this contest, uh, and but then I say, then it turned uh, with with that sequence that started with the Higgins drop, and we end up losing this game. But um, but uh, but if, but if this is going to be the trajectory, in other words, if 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 Hugh it's going to keep us in games like this and if his if his coaching is going to uh improve commensurate with let's say the improvement that we've seen either from last year to this year or from last week to this week because even though we tied last week and we lost this week i thought we saw an improved team this week 
that. I had to move the microphone right quick. I know that's an annoying sound, although it, uh, Terry was telling me that it sounded like it was a bubbler last week, which whatever. Um, but if, if that's what's going to happen, then I don't – not only do I not have a problem with, with not firing Jackson and keeping him on – uh, assuming again that he doesn't have, uh, you know, another, you know, a relapse, so to speak, where next week we're doing the same stupid stuff that we normally do, that it looks like was the same stupid stuff. I saw some improved uh, stuff this week. Not all of it was was the was uh, the smartest, but if we're willing to, if if we're willing to f- not forfeit, but not necessarily take advantage of our optimal, you know, um, configuration vis-a-vis the starting quarterback position, uh, because and we're willing to not necessarily win the most games this year because of it and also to lose Josh Gordon under the same thing if if at the end of that is but we are willing to if we see improvement in the right ways continuing to go on with this coaching staff to keep everybody together because even I'm just not I'm not enamored with the idea of somebody else coming in we saw we saw this with with uh, Dorsey yeah they fired Sashi and they kept Hugh so that's some semblance of a continuity right 63% of the roster got turned over in one offseason so it was a total blow-up, except the only thing that remains stagnant, that remains somewhat steady, is Hugh. And what he's got, because he's been there now for three years, he's he's got something set up. And amazingly, you know, a third year through, maybe the guy has actually shown himself to be a good coach. I can't believe I'm actually saying this. But um, but it looks like maybe that's what's going on here. As I watch this game today, and yeah, like I say, I'll have to watch it again and view a couple of things more. Um... As far as the individual uh, players are concerned, there, there, there's there's things to, uh, to to look at you know, on pros and cons, positives, negatives, and so on. But but Hugh Jackson, I think today um, did not coach you know the worst game that we've seen since he's been here. And I think, though I could be wrong, I think um, that maybe we're seeing some improvement uh, with him as a coach. And and look, uh, it, it has to manifest itself, and we got to go out there and win on Thursday night. If we go out there and we win the game on Thursday, and again, I think the Jets are a good. I think that I'll put it this way: I think the Jets are a much better team than they get credit for. I think Todd Bowles is a much better coach than he gets credit for. But I also think that they're a team that, with the talent that we have, we we can beat them. And I think that Hugh Jackson needs to go out there and be a better coach than Todd Bowles on Thursday night. And I'm gonna lay, you know, I I I put down the the gauntlet for uh, for uh, Dorsey during the draft. I said, if you go out there and you draft Meathead, I'm good. We're good. We're good for basically the rest of time, right? I mean, we're we're good if you go out there and you get Baker because the rest of it's gonna take care of itself once once Homeboy gets in the lineup, and he he will at some point. But I'm I'm, I'm gonna lay it down here this this week against the Jets. Hugh, you go out there and you outcoach um, <clears throat> Todd Bowles. And you go out there and you win that game, then I'm going to back off and I'm going to start um, being a supporter. That's that'll be my. I'm not saying that I. I I'm not saying it's 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 the total uh, uh, trump card like it was for uh, Meathead and uh, and Mayfield, but I am saying it's going to buy. It's going to buy a lot of grace with me, particularly after the, watching the defensive effort and the overall team effort. And then you know again the the emotion of losing a guy like Gordon. And adjusting your offensive game plan that quickly, seeing the way that the team responded, yeah, ultimately we come up short, but the way that they fought at the end, we had a chance. We definitely had a chance there at the end. So I think that it's encouraging, particularly going up against two Hall of Fame quarterbacks to start off the season. 
two, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks that are both playing well to start off the season. So if you go out there on Thursday night, out coach, out play, and we win that game and beat what I consider to be a an underrated, um, solid Jets team, then that is going to cause me to pause and look at this situation um, and, and start agreeing a little bit more with with because I, I got to tell you to this point I have been and, and not that it matters I mean, what, what does it matter if I agree or disagree just that I can say you know that well I, I told you we should have started Baker well you know anybody could see that in retrospect of course I you know saw it at, at you know I said it at the beginning of all of it but whatever it doesn't matter nobody cares if you if you said it you know if you if you tell if you have to tell somebody that I told you so let me tell you something nobody cares if you if you feel this is this is just a little and by the way this is just a free piece of advice that you didn't ask for so it's worth exactly what you're paying for it right but if you feel the need to tell somebody I told you so they don't care I'm just telling you they don't care it's not going to whatever satisfaction you are getting out of it they are not internalizing it the way that you are are they are not picking it up the way that you are throwing it down just believe me yeah man what you don't have to who the who who am i who am i to garner your trust um i'm just i'm just a guy that loves the cleveland browns and uh after the first two weeks of this season um i expected the steelers to 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 handle us and I thought they pretty much did for the first three quarters last – well, the first uh, three and a half quarters. And then uh, Garrett went, went, went super scion and, and we ended up making a game out of it. And I thought that uh, – but, but I thought – honestly, I kind of thought that that was a mirage. I thought that, um, that we got a lucky break there and that was the only reason that the game was close. But then now watching this game, now I'm more inclined to think, you know what? No, maybe this team is actually better coached than I was giving them credit for. When you see the massive, although we had a couple of some inopportune ones, uh, unfortunately, but the penalties were drastically decreased. Uh, I think there was some pretty, pretty, pretty steep improvement from uh, De- Desmond Harrison this year or this uh, week. Uh, really, the offensive line as a unit. There was a couple of uh, breakdown moments. I think again, a lot of that has to do with the fact that that uh, thyroid likes to hang onto the ball. But whatever, I love the guy, and um, you know, and again, this is a today in a way. Anyway, this is a non-bashing uh, of Tyrod zone. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm because the way that he performed there at the end. Yeah, interception was bad, but clutch nuts throw there to uh, Callaway at the at, at the on the next possession, and then taking them down the field when in a position to kick a field goal to tie the game to go into overtime. It's as clutch as they come, and in two weeks. Well, Taylor's two for two in terms of taking advantage of those opportunities late in the game. What more can you really ask for? And this is coming from the guy that is the biggest Baker honk in the world. Uh, I got I've got to be fair in because um, I, I I don't care. One thing about all of this is I get oh, and when I was younger I used to really care about stats and statistical accomplishments. It really meant something to me. And I'm to the point now where I just I so don't care anything at all about statistics. Uh, you know Taylor last week I think he completed like 37 percent of his passes, but I would have been fine if that meant that he made the the plays they needed at the end to win the game. And the same thing today. Uh, I don't really care about the interception in a statistical sense. It was just a – and look, it was a uh, – you know, he, he's trying to attack the field. It was a bad decision, a bad throw. But he redeemed himself and, you know – um, give him credit where it's due, uh, as far as that goes. If if he performs like that in other games this year, the defense plays like they did, and if the coaches do, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, do what they do, then we're going to win some games this year. We're going to win some division games this year, uh, and we should beat a team like the Jets. If, on the other hand, 
We go out there. We're still very anemic on offense. That's a very good Jets defense, I think. But still, uh, we should still be able to to get some traction against them. But if we go out and we're still anemic on offense and uh, and and play poorly and make a bunch of mistakes and ultimately end up losing this game uh, to the Jets on Thursday night, well then. Well, then I think that's going to speak a lot for itself. And, and it may be at that point that, uh, you know, the ownership starts looking at it from that standpoint, unless it has been. De- but again, you know, it's difficult to say that unless it's been determined by everybody involved that we're going to be patient, because what what was what was the game plan with Sashi? It was it was absolutely that we were going to take this the slow walk. And I don't look at I don't want to hear it. You know, well, look at these players. Look what he brought in. He was trash. And he was two years into a five plan, five year plan. I don't care what the final tally was i'm not i don't just like i don't judge a carpenter by what the house looks like when it's 20 percent um built and you decide to fire the guy I'm not, i don't care because that's not a true representation of the job that he would have done uh and and so that's all fine and good now same time you look at what dorsey's done and i'm happy with what, what dorsey has done so far i think that we've seen some tangible um i mean you look at the the performances of guys like Gennard avery and antonio callaway i mean we're talking about later round draft picks that are contributing right away you know it, it's, it's great to see denzel ward you know while he didn't have as good a game this week as he had last week still uh, looks every bit the part of the number four pick overall nick chubb i just want to see the guy get more carries i really do i know that he struggles in pass rush or uh, pass protection but i, I want to see the, the the guy get more carries uh, he really looks Looks like he could be a good one, and uh, and then yeah, Austin Corbett. He hasn't gotten on the field yet, but again, all in all, I just uh, I, I I like what what uh, what Dorsey's done, and I'll just be very excited when when Baker Mayfield does finally get on the field. But um, but if as I say, if if we go out there and we we solidly win that game, and Hugh Jackson out coaches, out works, and beats Todd Bowles and beats the Jets, then I got to tell you something. I'm going to be a lot more um, supportive of this overall uh, process and strategy and the tactics used to employ the strategy. And, um, and, and that, I, I think that that's, that, that, that's, um, that's fair because I expected today to be a blowout because it was predicated on a series of assumptions that it didn't happen that way uh, kind of proves kind of disproves those assumptions and so then you have to start looking at it from a different standpoint and from from now from this lens now two games into it it looks to me at, at least from the you know from the from the 10,000 foot view that this is a better this is this is a this is a more organized this is a better team certainly it's got a lot of talent and when you have an all world defensive end it, it definitely can uh, do a lot to tilt the field in your favor um, particularly defensively and I think that we're going to feel the same way when we finally get a quarterback in there. But if you could tell me that if we sit Baker this entire year, he's definitely going to come out and look like what Pat Mahomes looks like right now. Okay, I'm fine with that. Especially, particularly if we only, well, actually, you can say, especially if we only end up going like 4-12 and 12 or 5-11. and 11. Because guess what? Then we're going to be in a position to pick another great player uh, next year. And I'm pretty good with uh, Meathead's ability to uh, select players. You know, that that was the thing. Sashi, his whole thing was about, you know, picking players, you know, selecting a lot of players with high draft picks while also acquiring a lot of high draft picks. He was about doing both of those things. Meathead, his whole thing is, okay, get me as high a pick as you can, and I'm going to go get the best player that we can. And so far, 
Guy looks like he's done a pretty bang-up job. Now, there is, this is a talented, talented football team. There's no question about that. And if the coaching aligns with the talent that's on the team, then we can win some games. Uh, this was a, a game where a, a much, much, much better uh, quarterback was playing against us than the one that we had. And what I thought was a much, 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 much better head coach than what we had. And we, we, we almost beat these guys after almost beating the Stillers last week. So, um, you know... I know, I know, almost winning is the same thing as losing, and we are oh so familiar with all of that, but, um, you know, amazingly, I kind of feel better about losing this game than I did about tying last week. Uh, I don't know, it's, um, it's weird that way. But um, anyway, that's, uh, that's what's up, and so the Josh Gordon, um, the Josh Gordon-less future and the new era begins for the Cleveland Browns on a short week as they uh, prepare to turn it all around and get ready to take the field. Um, on Thursday night against the New York Jets. It's been a pleasure speaking with you post-game here, week two of the 2018 NFL season. My name is Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It on the DBN Network. And without getting into it, there's some expansion news coming pretty soon about all of this. And uh, I'll be happy. I know I've teased that before, but this time it's for reals. And I'll be looking forward to talking to you about that when the time comes. And I'll be looking forward to talking to you again. Uh, Hopefully, I I intend to do this same thing on Thursday night. Late Thursday night, it'll be a late one for me, but I'm still going to try to do it. Um, and so we will talk to you then, if not before. Uh, I hope that you are doing well. I hope that. Oh, and if, by the way, if you're in the uh, hurricane-ravaged areas of the uh, eastern seaboard of the country, then um, you know, Godspeed to you. I hope that you are safe and dry, and with power and water and all that good stuff. And if not, that uh, you get everything returned to you uh, soon. Uh, as always, I appreciate this time that I get to speak with you every week. I hope that uh, that you enjoyed it even a little bit. And uh, until next time, good luck, God bless. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.